Thanks for listening to this sermon from Garden City Methodist Church. We want to invite you to worship with us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., either in person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Varnado Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made by human hands, a mere copy of the true one, but he entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself again and again as the high priest enters the holy place year after year with blood that is not his own. For then he would have to suffer again and again since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once and for all at the end of the age to remove sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for mortals to die once and after that to judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. I certainly have. But sometimes Christians just say the awkwardest things to people that are mourning. If you've ever lost a loved one, sometimes well-meaning Christians will come up to you and just say things that are totally unhelpful. They range from totally unhelpful to actively hurtful sometimes. Some people will come up to you and say, well, you know, heaven just needed another angel. Well, yeah, well, just earth just needed another. <laughs> we needed them here, too. Plus, people don't become angels when they die. They stay people. So that's, like, theologically incorrect. You just want to. And if you've said these things, no judgment. It's hard to know what to say. Sometimes, and it's, it's, I find myself saying this sometimes, too. They say, well, you know, at least they're in a better place. They're in a better place now. You kind of want to say, yeah, they might be in a better place, but I'm in a worse place. I have to stay here without my loved one. And, and that, I don't know if that, that helps me too much. Sometimes people say, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. And that just stinks. I don't want to hear that when my loved one is missing. I don't want to know that there was some kind of cosmic reason that they get taken from me. That's I don't know. I don't want that. Sometimes people say, oh, don't be sad. God's in control. Okay, but I am sad. So does it mean that because I'm sad, I don't have enough faith in God? That if I had just more faith, I wouldn't be sad because I knew God was in control? That's garbage. That's not true. It doesn't make sense. I mean, God is in control, but I still get to be sad about it. Or the worst, the things that are like real hurtful is when people say, well, maybe God did this to punish you or punish them or punish someone as if that was supposed to like help out at all. I have a hard time believing that people actually say that, but I have been assured that that has been said to people I love. So that's just awful. So if well-meaning Christians can come up to you when you're in the place of mourning and say all kinds of unhurtful things, what is something that you can say that's okay? How do you talk to someone 
whose loved one has passed. And y'all, I don't have the perfect answer to this. I don't know, I don't have the script for you to follow when mourning a lost loved one. I find that kind of saying nothing and just holding their hand and crying with them tends to suffice. But I do believe that it's important for us to teach about death and for us to teach about loss before you're ever in that situation. Because when someone is mourning their lost loved one, that's not a time for you to get into the theology of what happens at death. That's not the time for you to say, you know, as a preacher, sometimes I hear people say these unhelpful things, and it's not the time for me to just kind of step in and say, well, actually, people don't become an angel after they die. They're not, you're not an angel in heaven. You're still a person. Heaven doesn't need another angel. That, that, for some reason, people don't like that when you come in and correct their theology at their loved one's funeral. They don't like it. But I think this scripture that we read today begins to get us there. Right? He's talking about Jesus being the high priest, the ultimate high priest, who went to heaven and gave of himself, offered of himself for us, so that we might not have to have no hope. He said, Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. It's like, have you ever heard the illustration of the river? It's kind of more of a thought experiment, right? Say that you're walking along and you're, you're hiking and you're, you're next to a river and you see someone floating down the river drowning and you go in and save them. You pull them out and you say, oh my gosh, thank you so much for saving me. And as soon as you get them out, you go and you see another person drowning. So you go and save them. And that keeps happening. You keep pulling people out of the river that are drowning. And then eventually you're like, what are you guys all doing in the river? And they say, well, there's someone in the bridge just half a mile up ahead that's pushing people off the bridge into this river. So what's the thing to do? Do you keep pulling people out of the river or do you go chase that guy off the bridge and report him to the police? The thing you should do is to go and, and take the guy out that's, that's pushing people into the river. Not in like a violent way, just make sure he's not there. It's not take him out, like I want you to go kill someone. No, but not take him out, just, you know, remove him from that situation. And that's kind of what the author here is saying about Jesus. The, the sacrificial system of, of the Old Testament was kind of like pulling people out of the river one by one. Yeah, you keep sinning, so you keep bringing a bull, and you sacrifice it, but then the next time you sin, you have to go bring another bull, and you kind of have, you're just constantly atoning for the sin. And what he says is, what Jesus did is that he, he took the core root of the problem, and he solved that. He gave himself once and for all, one time for everybody so that we don't have to deal with sin anymore, and so that we might participate in his victory over death, which is just this wonderful, beautiful, good news for us. But because of Jesus stepping in and defeating sin and death once and for all, we, you and I, can have hope in the valley of the shadow of death. Because whether or not we realize it, 
we are all kind of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I remember the first time I realized that I was going to die. I was in college, believe it or not, and I was, we were having some kind of discussion in a literature class, and I said, well, you know, if I die, then blah, 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 and the teacher said, wait a minute, if? Don't you mean when? And I was like, oh, it is a when and not an if. That really shocked me. It's the first time I really had this awareness of my own mortality. But Jesus is here with us. Jesus is the one who's giving us power to say, yeah, you have this mortality. It's, it is a win and not an if, but that is not the end. Because of Jesus' great sacrifice, because Jesus went and offered himself once and for all, we can participate in his victory, and we can say there is another life after this. Imagine with me, imagine if Jesus praying, sweating teardrops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane had decided to just bail. What if he had said, you know what, this is too much. These people aren't worth it. And called down a million angels or whatever and said, guys, I'm just going to bail right here. And decided not to give himself for our sins. He could have done it. He could have. What if we were in a spot where we had knowledge that we were sinners and we knew that the wages of sin was death, but there was no way that we could possibly atone for those sins because the one person that was worthy enough to have done it had elected not to. Think of the absolute hopelessness that that would bring. Think of the absolute sorrow that would accompany every funeral because you would know that it wasn't going to be okay. But, according to the word of God that we read this morning, because of Jesus' ultimate worthiness, because of his great love for you and me, because of Jesus' high priestly sacrifice on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, we can join here in this place and light our candles and mourn our lost loved ones well in anticipation of the day when he will return and reunite us with those that we love. He says he will come again a second time, not to deal with sin, sin's already dealt with, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him and to reunite us all together in one kingdom and eternal life. And if that's not a reason to praise Jesus, I don't know what is. Now, the author here makes this big deal about this sacrifice being once and for all. He only had to go one time. He didn't have to keep going to the cross every time we sin. Boy, that would be a rough situation, wouldn't it? But just because Jesus offered himself one time on the cross does not mean that he doesn't continually offer himself to us in grace. In fact, that's part of what communion is about. We're going to take communion this morning because in a spiritual way, 
Jesus offers his body and blood to us every time we meet him at the table so that we might experience his grace anew. So that we might be reminded of the, the great sacrifice that he gave for us and, and renew ourselves in that grace. So that we might be reminded that he has given us victory over the grave and is giving us grace every single day to live a life worthy of that sacrifice. Jesus went to the cross once and for all, but he meets you at the altar on a regular basis for you. Because the grace that he gave on the cross was not the end of the grace that he gave. He continues to give of himself. He continues to pour out his love on you. He continues to empower you with his Holy Spirit. He continues to give you strength and, and love in all of the things that you need. He continues to give us hope so that we can meet together in a place like this on a day like All Saints Sunday when we're missing those people that we miss so much and we can declare they are a great cloud of witnesses worshiping Jesus right now and there will come a day when we will see them again in the flesh because Jesus has promised a new heaven and a new earth and a new body for you and me like his body in the resurrection so that we might hug our loved ones again around the neck and enjoy them forever in the presence of Jesus. What a wonderful hope. And it was accomplished because of Christ's great sacrifice. So I want to invite you this morning to come down to the altar for communion so that we might together remember that sacrifice, and commit ourselves to living worthy of it in anticipation of the day when we see our loved ones again. So let's turn in our hymnals. To page 12. Let's go to God in prayer. God, you are worthy. You are worthy of all blessing and of all honor and of all glory and of everything that we could possibly offer you because instead of bailing on us, you went to the cross and you rose from the dead and you are holding those that we love dear. In anticipation of the day when we see them again. We know that our lives are brief. Our days are numbered on this earth. But you will give us another life. We have faith in you. That our hope is boundless because of your sacrifice. Because you went cross once and for all. So Jesus, meet us at the altar. Comfort those who are hurting because of their mourning. Give them hope. Heal those that are sick.
minister to us here at the altar. In your name I pray. Amen.